It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The NCAA tournament is over. The NBA season is almost over, too. It's time to start thinking a little about about the NBA draft. We'll talk about the risers and fallers from the NCAA tournament on today's Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is April 5th, 2022. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the uh, NCAA tournament is over. The That part of the draft evaluation is complete. And obviously, the Magic have a big eye on the draft. We'll talk a little bit about some of the guys who stood out in the NCAA tournament. Some of the guys who did not. And a whole lot more coming up here on today's episode. Before we do that, though, we want to thank you for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload, whether it's on your way to tonight's Orlando Magic game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com and use promo code NBA. Or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Before we dive too deep into the NCAA tournament, some quick notes ahead of the Orlando Magic's game tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Jalen Suggs listed as questionable after a 10-game absence. It appears that Suggs may play tonight. Uh, I, I certainly thought that he was probably done for the year. Um, whether that's also be whether Suggs' availability to play is because they need a functioning point guard in order to uh, pl- pl- at least be semi-competitive in these games. Um, and Cole Anthony's dealing with a big toe sprain. I-, I-, I feel like that's more what this is about than anything else. Again, we've probably long suspected that Jalen Suggs is capable of playing, but um, obviously with the season winding down, um, it- having him healthy for the summer is probably more important. The Magic certainly uh, also focused on some other aspects of their season right now. Um, than throwing their rookie out there. But um, we may get to see Jalen Suggs one more time. Franz Wagner also upgraded to questionable after he missed Sunday's game. Um, so obviously a lot up in the air as the Magic get ready to face the Cleveland Cavaliers. But that's not the big news in the Magic world today, or that's big enough for me to leave the show, but it's not the big news uh, in the Magic world today. The NCAA tournament is over. The uh, the Kansas Jayhawks have lifted the trophy. Sorry, Cole. Um, they're the, they're the, they're the national champions after racing a 15 point deficit in the, a 15 point halftime deficit, the largest comeback, um, in NCAA tournament championship game history. Um, it was a great game, uh, really just a fantastic game. Both North Carolina and Kansas left everything on the floor. 
both were worthy champions. Both does, both had the chance to win. It just came down to making or missing shots, which is how you want games decided. Um, some great post play from Kansas to, to close that game out. But obviously the end of the NCAA tournament means the game evaluation period of the college, of, of the draft process is now over. Um, there are no more games to watch from at least the college prospects. Um, it, it's it's now, you know, essentially pencils down. Everything is done. The, the, the bulk of your evaluation is done. And now we get into the part of kind of sussing out uh, what the difference is between these players. Getting, in, getting, you know, the next phase of the draft process is the interview process, which will begin in May once the NBA draft combine takes place. Kind of getting those measurements, kind of getting getting all those little details down down and out. But the game part is the bulk of everything. At the end of the day, you know, we could talk about wingspan. You know, yes, the interview process is really, really important. Yes, understanding who these players are as people is really, really important. But the bulk of the evaluation always starts with the play, with how you play in games. It, it, that has to be important. Um, and and while you know we did our our our, our draft preview a couple of weeks ago before the NCAA tournament with uh, Richard Stamen of of Locked On NBA Draft, definitely go back and listen to that. Um, you know while that is important, while you know the NCAA tournament it should not be the end all be all. It can't be a a, 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 a an overarching statement or um, a, 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 an oxygen sucking statement uh, for for these players. It's still really important. It's not just the biggest exposure that these players get. It's a lot of us, you know, cover the NBA. We may not get to watch a lot of these guys until the NCAA tournament when there's this ex- ex- extreme focus and pressure on them. Um, but at the same time, these are pressure games. You want to understand how a player is going to respond to pressure, how a player is going to respond to the moment, whether a player has that will to win. These games do tell us a little bit about that. And so I do want to mention a few of the key prospects uh, and talk a little bit about what I saw from them throughout the tournament. And, and I want to start with uh, Paolo Bencaro from Duke. Um, you know, I've had Jabari Smith number one on my board for a very, very long time. And just a lot of it's just because of the general consistency he brings. Um, he's a good shooter, good defender, so good two-way guy. He may not be great off the dribble. He may not be great at creating his own shot, but he's going to be there to score, and, and he can do a little bit of that. I, you know, I, I think that's something that he can grow and develop into. I've had him number one on my board for a long time. We'll talk a little bit about Chet Holmgren later because um, there's a lot to say about him, um, but I've had him number two, and, and I've been kind of sour on Paolo Bancaro. Um, the little bits that I've see, I'd seen of him before the tournament – um, you know, it, it, undoubtedly a, a great score, a great individual guy, guy you can dump the ball into and create a little bit, create, have him create a little bit that I was worried about how the rest of his game would fill out. I was worried. I was always worried about, okay, can he pass? Can he be a shooter? Can he work a little bit off the ball? And I think some of those questions are still present. I don't think they go away, but of all the players I watched in the NCAA tournament, the guy I came away most impressed with was Paolo Bancaro. Um, a, every time I've watched him, he pops off the screen. Uh, you know, again, I, I think when you're playing with a lot of college kids, being able to just know where the guy is at all times is a big deal. The guy is big. He stands out on the, on the floor. He stands out, uh, when he's out on the floor. Um, and, and, and he does make an impact, um, in, in a key moment against, I believe it was against Arkansas, Duke, Duke was in the lead, but their lead was trimmed down to five. Uh, and it was about eight, 10, eight to nine, you know, like a little bit past the halfway point of the second half. 
Duke gave the ball to Paolo Bancaro on the block and said, go get us a point. Go get us. A, we need a basket here. Go get us a score. And he delivered for them. And it was really, really, really impressive to see a Duke trust a freshman like that and to see him deliver. And I tweeted at the time, um, you know, this may be something, this may be nothing, but in a moment when Duke absolutely needed a basket, they turned to Paolo Bancaro and he delivered. And I don't think I could say that about the way Jabari Smith played at Auburn. Uh, and I don't think I could say that about Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga. If, uh, just just in general, if the guy you want to take with the number one pick, and, and let's for now just assume the Magic are getting the number one pick. That's that's a that's a big assumption, but let's 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 just let's just put that out there. Um, the guy you want to t- the guy that you think of as the number one pick is usually a guy that you can just give the ball to, clear out, and say, "Get us a basket." And among the top guys, among that top four group, or maybe not among Jaden Ivey, but among that top four group. Paolo Bancaro is that dude. And that was shown in the NCAA tournament against, uh, you know, in, in their loss to North Carolina, he still had a really good game. Um, and I would ar- personally, I would argue the reason North that Duke lost to North Carolina in, in the final four was because they did get the ball to Bancaro enough in the second half. Their second half offense was terrible. They, they had the lead. They were cruising along and, and then their offense just died. Just, you know, I, I know I tweeted this, uh, tweeted this during the game. If you want to understand what Jamal Mosley is talking about when he talks about playing with high pace, it's the opposite of what Duke did uh, against North Carolina. And if I think if, if Duke had played with a quicker pace and had really kind of focused on running their offense and getting the ball to their best players, I think they would have beat North Carolina. I think we'd be talking about Duke winning the national championship. And then we'd really be talking about Paolo Bencaro as the number one pick in the draft. For the, for the NCAA tournament, uh, Bancaro averaged 18.8 points per game, 7.6 rebounds per game, and 3.4 assists per game. He shot 50% on 13.6 field goal attempts per game. So a really strong tournament. And, and Bancaro's passing was really impressive throughout. I was actually really impressed with his ability um, to pass the ball. He had 20 points in the loss to North Carolina. Again, like I said, probably should have been a whole lot more involved. Yes, there are still questions about Bancaro. His three-point shot is still really inconsistent. He's more of a back to the. He's a very good back to the basket player. Um, you know, it, there. I think there are some questions about his ability to to shoot mid-range jumpers, and and, and some people feel like he bull, he bullies smaller players to the basket. I, I I still think he can do that in the NBA. To be perfectly frank, um, he's he's that big and he's that that good. Um, and his defense leaves a lot to be desired. I, I will say that this guy has a ton of defensive talent. It just sometimes doesn't feel like he has a lot of. De- defensive attention to detail. And, and, and so his, his, you know, projection as a two-way player is certainly still uh, up in the air, but to me, no player was more impressive than Paolo Bancaro. And I 100% believe that this is a three-man race to be the top pick in the draft. This is a three-man race uh, to be the number one pick between Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Paolo Bancaro. I, I think you should not leave Bancaro off your list because of all the guys in that group at the top of the draft, um, Bancaro is the guy that probably plays a game that you would expect from a guy who's the first overall pick. Um, so a really impressive tournament from Paolo Bancaro. We'll talk plenty more about him, of course, as we get uh, closer to the NBA draft. We'll talk about kind of the biggest mystery or the biggest debate we're going to have, preview the biggest debate we're going to have in the NBA draft, uh, in Chet Holmgren coming up here in just a moment. But first, NBA fans, are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, 
Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this game, and we know you will too. It's easy to use, and here's how you play. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. No competing against other players. No competing in these gigantic pools where you're just lucky to make your money back. It's you versus the numbers. It couldn't be that easier, that much easier. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Here's how the game works. You're presented with a, a series of over-unders. Will Cole Anthony score more than 15 and a half points? Will Mo Bamba grab more than seven and a half rebounds? You're presented with the, that number and you pick over or under. If you think the player is going to get more, you pick the over. If they, they think you're going to get under, pick the under. And the best part about prize picks is now with baseball starting up and the hockey playoffs going too, you can do mixed sport entries. So you can get, you can guess whether, you know, I guess Jorge Soler is going to hit a home run and on opening day for the Miami Marlins. Uh, I don't know if that's one and a half or, or, or half right now, but that, that might be something to look into for later this week. Um, you can, you can pick, you could pick a group that you think is going to win. And, and of course the prizes escalate from there for a limited time. Prize picks has an exclusive no brainer of an offer for all of our users. You just get $50 for free. If a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point, but you must use code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to locked on fans. Sign up today. And use code NBA fifty dollars for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. Today's podcast also brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championships, odds, podcasts, and reviews for all of the different leagues this season. BetOnline.net is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. We want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Um, obviously, um, the big debate, and, and we're going to have this debate uh, on this show once we get deeper into the draft process, uh, once the season ends, uh, once we know where the Magic are going to pick and we understand the players that are probably going to be available to them. Um the big debate among the draft people, among draft experts, is, is about Chet Holmgren. Um, big debate among fans is about Chet Holmgren. I think draft people are pretty settled on what they think he's going to be, and, and they really like him. Uh, there's a reason why I think ESPN has the magic taking Chet Holmgren first, and I don't think that's a bad pick. Um, it's not what I would do, but that, I don't think that's a bad pick. Um, but Chet Holmgren is going to be the most divisive prospect in this draft. And, and the reason is simple. The guy is 7-1. He moves really well, handles the ball really well, can shoot the three, is a superb shot blocker, is a presence in the paint at all times, but he weighs only 195 pounds. And it's clear he weighs only 195 pounds. It's clear that he can get moved around in the paint, that he can get jostled and, and bumped off his spot. It's clear that there are going to be some allowances and some things that he's going to need to work on before he can be 
a super impactful NBA player. It's all of this is abundantly clear. All of this is tremendously clear um, that Holmgren has work to do to get where he wants to be or get to get to where he will ultimately need to be to be an impact player in the league. This year's NCAA tournament, um, if you're a believer in Chet Holmgren, you saw what you wanted to see. He blocked a ton of shots, averaged nearly four blocks per game. I think at 3.7 blocks per game. Um, he scored the ball fit pretty well. He rebounded well. He got a ton of rebounds. He was a presence in the paint and showed everything that has everyone believing in him, minus his three-point shot, which he struggled with a little bit during the tournament. So if you if you like Chet Holmgren, you saw what you wanted to see in this tournament. If you don't like Chet Holmgren, you also saw what you what you what you you also had your bias confirmed in this in this tournament as well. Holmgren got moved around in the paint a lot, got into foul trouble because he couldn't take contact. He had to lower his arms. He had, you know, he, he just, he guys, you know, he's blocking a lot of shots, but teams went after him to get him out of the game, knowing that they could kind of bully him around and move him around. Um, it, it was a, a frustrating tournament for Chet Holmgren for that reason. And college officiating sucks. There's, there's no getting around that. So it is a question about what's going to happen when Holmgren gets to the league, but for sure, those weight issues are not going away for sure. The thoughts about whether he can take the pounding in the NBA are not going to go away. And the NCAA tournament certainly did nothing to alleviate those fears, as, as nothing in college would, because we don't know what he's capable of doing until he gets to the NBA. Holmgren to home, you know, I say this every year, and I do mean this, and I, and I want to be cognizant of it. I want to be present about this. You should focus on what players can do rather than what they can't do. Um, seriously. Focus on what a guy can do. You can always work on what he can't do. And unless it's something so difficult to overcome, um, what they can't do isn't important. You're not drafting a guy for what he can't do. You're drafting him for what he can do. So focus on what he can do. And and Holmgren absolutely should be in the conversation for the number one pick because this draft is not a generational draft. But Chet Holmgren is a potentially generational player. And I know Victor Wembanyama is coming up next year. A lot of people feel he's a better version of Chet Holmgren, and he very well might be. Um, but Holmgren is, you know, you look around the NBA, you think, what wins championships? First thing that wins championships is elite players. you got to have someone that is an elite player, top 10, top 5 player in the league to have a chance to, to win. And, and, you know, the Magic had that in Tracy McGrady, had that in Dwight Howard, had that in Shaq, had that in Penny. Those are the pillars of your franchise, guys who are at the top in their position. But it also helps to have players who are truly unique that force the game to conform to them. What's so incredible about Giannis Antetokounmpo is the game has to conform to him. LeBron, the game conforms to him. Um, you know, Durant, the game conforms to him. It, to, to be the best team in the league, to have the best shot at winning in this league, it takes not just elite players but unique players. A lot of people are trying to compare Chet Holmgren to Kevin Durant, um, especially when it comes to the weight issue, because a lot of people felt like Kevin Durant couldn't put on the weight. Um, and I think those comparisons are both fair because, A, Chet Holmgren is not an NBA weight training program, so they will figure out how to prep his body and and prepare him for the NBA season. Um, but, B, Chet Holmgren is not a wing. He is a big. He is a shot-blocking big. And, and, and you know, he's more like Kristaps Porzingis, which, again, raises its own injury concerns. Um at the end of the day, you know, again, the Sensilla tournament showed whatever you wanted to see in Chet Holmgren. Um, it, it showed whatever you believe in him already. It didn't do anything to change minds. And, and maybe 
you know, that's why I have him falling perhaps is he didn't change anyone's minds. And some of that is Gonzaga had terrible guard play. They couldn't get him the ball. Um, part of that is a uh, college game is a lot more physical, has a lot more condensed space. I think he will, I think all these players, Paolo, Jabari, Jaden, Chet, they will thrive on NBA spacing. I remember watching last night's game against uh, last night's national championship game and just thinking, man, that floor just looks so congested. And part of it is the three point line is too close everywhere everyone sets up their offense it just congests space there is no room to operate and that's why the college game is so wildly inconsistent um last night was a very college basketball game if, if you ask me um it, these guys are built to play in the nba they're not built to play in the college system in the college environment um chet holmgren's gonna be fine he's gonna make an impact somewhere will he be a generational talent that's the question everyone has to answer and i would say this he is the only potentially generational talent in this draft. And for that reason, you have to really look closely at him. You have to really evaluate him. Um, there's a lot to like about Chet Holmgren. Do not get me wrong. There is a ton to like about Chet Holmgren. Um, but there's also a lot of work to do. Um, there's also uh, a lot. There's also a lot um, that, Orlando has to, there's a lot that all these NBA teams have to evaluate when it comes to Holmgren and deciding where he ultimately fits in. We'll talk about some of the other players that caught my eye in the, in the NCAA tournament coming up here in just a moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. That's why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Obviously, again, like I said, don't take the NCAA tournament as gospel. It is a final statement for these players, a final statement they make before they get into the nitty-gritty of the draft process, but it is not the whole statement. There is a whole season. You know, don't take small sample sizes as, as gospel. They, they might be evidence of bigger truths, um, but it's certainly not enough to, to make a trend. And obviously, these are high-pressure, high-impact games, so they do have some importance. I do think they do have some added importance, but they are not everything. So... I'm going to run through some other players that caught my eye uh, throughout the NCAA tournament. And I want to start with Jaden Ivey. Um, 
you know, uh, one of our writers on OrlandoMagicDaily.com just wrote an, wrote an article saying the Magic should not be afraid to take the guard at the top of this draft or take Jaden Ivey, even with the number of guards the Magic already have um, that, they, that they're pretty invested in, whether it's Cole Anthony, whether it's Markel Fultz, whether it's Jalen Suggs, whether it's R.J. Hampton. Um, and, and I can't disagree with that statement. Um, I think that the Magic at this draft should take the best player available. That's always what you should do. Um, you should never be afraid to take the best player available. You figure out the fit later. Um, this is about getting talent, and especially at the stage the Magic are at, they're still in a talent collection phase. And while I agree that they need to begin kind of forming their roster how they want it to be and what they want it to look like, um, they're not at a stage where they should be picky. If Jaden Ivey is number three on their board or number four on their board or wherever, um, take him. Again, it's it's that simple. I will say this a million times before the draft process. Uh, my my rules for the draft. Take the best player available. Figure out fit later. If that guy's on, if that guy's the top of your board, take him. If there's a guy you really like, and you're not in the draft position to get him, go get him. If you really believe in a guy, take the guy you really believe in. Um, you know, again, that's uh, that that's something I don't think this front office is particularly good at is being aggressive going after the players they want. Um, but it's proven time and time again. If you really like someone, if you really believe in someone, go get him. Do what it takes to get him, especially at this stage for the Magic where. They're just collecting players. They, they want to form the roster they want. Go get the guys you believe in. That's That, to me, is is, is an absolute truth about the NBA draft. But, um, you know, I, I will say this, though. Um, you know, while I don't think the, I don't think the Magic should be afraid to take a guard um, at the top of this draft or take um, uh, take Jaden Ivey because I think he can be really good, um, I'm kind of low on Jaden Ivey right now. Um, you know, I'm about to update my big board for OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Um, that'll probably be out later on this week. Um, and I'm flirting and debating whether to move Jaden Ivey out of that top four. Um, I will say I was not super impressed with him in the NCAA tournament. And, and I think, I think he, you know, I think he ultimately still goes in the top four. Um, you know, but he, again, he could be this year's Jalen Suggs for all we know. Um, but, uh, as far as draft falling, you know, not, not as far as talent wise. Um, I think Suggs is a better player to be honest, but, um, but I think the, I think the question with Jaden Ivey is what does he do if he doesn't hit? Um, you know, a lot of people try to compare him to John Morant because of his athleticism, because of his ability to attack the basket. Um, but what does he do if he doesn't hit? What's his skill if he's not a go-to scorer? And I think that's the ultimate fear with Jaden Ivey. It's, 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 he is probably the biggest boomer bust player in this draft. It's hard to figure out what his role is if he's not your lead guard, if he's not your starting, you know, kind of engine driving guard. He's not a great passer. The shooting is okay, but not great. Um, he's really explosive, able to get to the basket, but he's not elite at that. He's kind of a he's kind of a, a poor man's John Morant, if, if that's a comparison everyone's going to make. Um, and I don't think the sensitive play tournament did anything to dissuade anyone. He got progressively worse the deeper the team that that his Purdue Boilermakers got in the tournament. And you know, no disrespect to St. Peter's, they were fantastic. The door was wide open for Purdue to get to the Final Four. They were playing a 15 seed in the Sweet 16. Uh, and and they just did not play with any urgency. And and I get Jay Nye, and Jay Nivey's a sophomore. This guy is even a freshman. He should have the experience and, and frankly the leadership to to kind of put that team on his back. And, and it just did not happen until it was too late. And that was just a malaise that Purdue was in all game. Purdue should have beat St. Peter's, but hands down. No, again, no offense to St. Peter's. They won the game. They had the best strategy. They turned Purdue's offense one dimensional. And I felt like Jay Nivey was just too quiet. 
um, and, and not aggressive enough until it was too late. Uh, and that was just a, a feeling throughout the whole Purdue Purdue team. He scored only nine points in that game, and a lot of them came late. I think he had he had two threes late in the game, or he had he had, had like five points late in the game. He the the the, the bus potential for Jay Nivey is, is high. Uh, and so I think he might actually be the riskiest player in this draft. And, and this NCAA tournament did not do anything to do, you know, kind of, I think raise some real questions about him. Um, not enough to probably drop him out of the top five. Um, but like I said, I like Keegan Murray a lot from Iowa. I know Iowa didn't, didn't win in the tournament at all. They lost in the first round, um, had a really disappointing run after they won the big 10, uh, won the big 10 tournament. Um, but I, I kind of, you know, I want some cover. You know, I want to be able to say, okay, if this guy can't be my star, what else can he be? Um, and and that's, you know, again, you don't. The goal for the Magic next year is not to be in this position next year. They shouldn't have the worst record in the league next year. They shouldn't be bottom three team. You shouldn't be talking about tanking late next year. We should be talking about development at the end of the season, um, if not the play-in tournament, um, or trying to compete and make the play-in tournament or stay in the play-in tournament race. Um, that's that's uh. That's kind of where we're at here with this. That's where, that's what we're dealing with here is, okay, what is Ivy other than that? The other guy that stood out, um, and, and I should mention him because he freaking won the NCAA, he won the national championship. He um, was the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament. Uh, Oche Akbaji uh, of Kansas, senior guard, really good shooter. Um, he only scored nine points in yesterday's game, but a really good defender, really good shooter. Had a, made six three-pointers against Villanova in the final four. Um, Kansas just works so well together. It, it's sometimes hard to notice any one player, but Oche Agbaji figures to be a lottery pick, if not a top 10 pick. I would argue he's probably climbed over a lot of the other three and D wings um, in this draft, probably except for Ben, Ben Matherin of, of Arizona. Um, but Oche Agbaji really impressive. I haven't watched a ton of him. Obviously he's a senior. I think he's going to come in and play right away uh, and really impact games right away. I don't think he's going to try and do too much. He's not going to, you know, be a, a great driver or, or or kind of a starring player. He's going to be a good role player, a good uh, reserve, good good kind of fourth, fifth starter for your team. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to really value that. Um, wouldn't surprise me if the team that ends up picking Agbaji in like the like 8, 9, 10, 11, wouldn't surprise me if that team has all their pieces come together or they're healthy next season, if Agbaji is a big reason why they're in the playoffs. He's kind of, he's, kind, he's that kind of player, I, I feel like, where he's going to make, a pretty big impact pretty quickly for whoever ends up signing him. Of course, we got a long way to go. We got a lot of prospects to look look forward to, a lot of prospects to sort through before the NBA draft. The next big date on the draft calendar, the NBA draft combine in mid-May, and of course, the NBA draft lottery on May 17th. We'll see where the magic land that day. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. Uh, Follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. On tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Magic, we will talk about the Orlando Magic's game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. That game is tonight at 7 p.m. Now make your second listen, Locked On NBA. Locked on experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Phil Crossman Wright. See you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. 
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.